We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. It's the True Faith Newcastle United podcast. What a big win for Newcastle United at Leeds United yesterday. Ellen Rhodes, you've got Alex Hurst, Charlotte Robson and Norman Riley to talk you through one of the big days, one of the great days. Me and Norman were there. Charlotte wasn't. She had lots of questions for us. It just felt so good. That feeling of full-time, clean sheet and win away from home, something I haven't or we haven't experienced in so long. I think Sheffield United in 2019, um, that was a long time ago. That was our last league win away from home in front of supporters. And wow, wow, it felt good. We're going to talk about the game, what the result means, what it does to Newcastle United this season and talk about what went well and who played well. I'm very happy. Norman, you were with me in Ellen Road. You're very happy too, I assume. Just how big a win was this for Newcastle United yesterday? It was huge, but let me first of all say that I think we beat Southampton away pre-lockdown 1-0 and I was there. Ah, um, don't take I that wasn't away. there, so it doesn't, doesn't count. Doesn't count. <laughs> I, I, don't take that away from me. Yeah? Um, I'll tell you what I felt, mate. Honestly, at the end of it, like it was like every single emotion that I could have felt in a football match had gone through us and I was kind of simultaneously overjoyed but absolutely exhausted and drained of emotion at the same time. I, I can't explain it. It's almost like how I felt at the end of the match was a microcosm of what it's like being a Newcastle fan. It was like everything was amazing and everything was really scary at the same time. It's kind of that 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 is how how it feels. And I I can't even like the celebration for the goal. I remember turning round after you know almost like getting thrown on the floor uh, because of the excitement. I remember turning round and you had that. You had that kind of reaction that I had when we took the lead against Manuel Old Trafford a few years ago. It was almost like you were in in shock, stasis. And uh, I was I was thinking to myself, I'm gonna have to get the defib out for you. Um, it, was, uh, it, it was it was spectacular. I mean, the the weight of the victory uh, it's huge, especially because really you could argue that results went our way this weekend. Norwich winning, but it was against Watford, so it was great. Um, Everton losing, brilliant. And I would even say Brentford losing as well. You know, that's six defeats and seven for Brentford now. So they, they're getting kind of dragged into it. So that the, the kind of net is getting wider for the teams that are in poor form and are getting, you know, getting caught in this net of um, being potential relegation candidates, which works out fantastically for us. So it it, it was ultimately, look, the performance will pick that apart um, as, as we're going through the podcast, no doubt. But ultimately, the the result and how we, we got it, a, a, a kind of not even clinging on at the end, but just holding on to a lead, psychologically huge. And I, the importance can't be uh, overemphasized. It's, it, it, is, it is a massive, massive result. 
But look, I will caveat it with saying that we've got Everton at home my next game, which is a rele- it's, it's a re- that is a relegation six point ultimately given given where they're on the table. Um, this result will mean nothing unless we, we go and beat Everton. However, haven't seen how we played yesterday, haven't seen the togetherness on the pitch. As I say, I mentioned like the psychological boost. I, I feel confident going to that Everton game now. It it was brilliant, mate. I'm feeling reborn. I totally agree with you, Norman. It's just it's this like that stasis that like that stillness is definitely how I reacted I was just like surely surely not and then you get that element of after the goal well we've still got 15 minutes left of this game are we just gonna throw it away like last week are we just gonna are we gonna be frightened that we've taken the lead and that didn't happen yesterday and now going into the Everton game in two weeks time I am just so excited to see what we can do Everton are a team all over the place at the moment um Never thought they'd be being dragged into the bottom three or bottom four, but they are. And and it's just a really exciting opportunity. And I take your point that, you know, if we don't win that, this means nothing. But right now this means everything. And I'm just going to sort of bathe in that for a little bit. Bathe we shall. <laughs> and and I, I agree with, with everything you say that there. there are lots of positives from yesterday. But the, probably the thing, I, I called it a shithouse win in the video afterwards. Maybe it's a little bit harsh on the team there because it played well overall. But it just it just felt a little bit normal. We should be able to go away from home two or three times a season, contest an incredibly close game, which is ultimately decided by a mistake, and like the competence of the team doing the things they have to do well, like defend, like not make any catastrophic errors. You know, fair play, Kieran Clark. He comes on, doesn't give away a goal. That's progress. Anyhow, <laughs> it's going to transform this player. Um, he did well when he came on. But I just, I just quite like it. It's like so, sometimes when, you know, Norman, you reference that Southampton game there. Newcastle should have won that game, like, comfortably. They should be now a sight. We're playing against 10 men for large parts. It was a little while ago. I just like the fact that we've gone away from home. There wasn't much in the game at all. We had some big performances from big players, which we're going to go on to later. And and we've, we haven't hung in there because I don't think the balance of play desert leaves would deserve that. But we're just in the game. And if, and if you can stay in the game for long periods and you can compete at Leeds' level, which we did, which we should, you, you're going you're gonna to win some games across the season. And it's like, you know, we've, we've won two games now, and that was our first away win and first clean sheet of the season. We weren't going to stay up until we got our first away, away win of the season. You know, the, we, are, we are doing the little things now that have to be done, that are absolutely essential. And that's that's why it's really, really positive to me. And in terms of in terms of like the other teams that you referenced there, Norman and Charlotte, Every time Newcastle win, it's different. So if Burnley win a game, it's different because A, we have eight days yet left of this transfer window and other teams are frightened about what we can do in this transfer window. Um, we need more players in, but everyone knows that. Everyone at the club knows that and they're trying hard to get them. But I think it was a really important result because we couldn't be four points behind a Norwich team that before Friday night had scored 10 goals in 20 league games. You know, that... that that's bad. That this was such a good win because we have this break, and it gi- it gives everyone belief. And, and what I really liked, we're going to talk about some of the players and, and substitutions and the manager later. But I really liked that as the game went on, we got better, and that hasn't been the case for a long time. And Eddie Howe talked about this post game that one of the key things to do was 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 hang on, and it really made it, it made me think. And I'll open this to, to to both of you. I don't know who wants to go first, but. One of the most positive things about yesterday and hanging on like that, and it, this is the thing, it wasn't really hanging on. We we actually, I think, controlled the game at 1-0. Yeah. And it's the complete opposite of last week. Complete opposite of against Watford. Leeds shrank. Yeah. Like Leeds just were like, oh no, that's us. 
Yeah, I'll come to Norman next. What I want to say is, um, if you look at the context of our season, right? Southampton at home, okay? Um, who else is there? Watford last week, Man United, um, even Brentford in terms of the errors that were made. I'll not throw Norwich in there, but those four games, right? Newcastle are the better team and deserve to win. Yeah. I don't know. I don't know that Norwich, Burnley, and Watford can say that. I don't know that Everton can say that. We were the better team here. We didn't win. Now it is the hallmark of a relegated team to throw away points when playing well and all of that. But that gives me a lot of confidence and, I, and I, it gives me a lot of hope for the future. That actually, if we get what we deserve and we we do things in games, which mean that that the opposition aren't going to be given the gifts they've been given we might be nowhere near this bottom three. Now, we deserve to be where we are. But those four fixtures there, Newcastle are the better team. Now, there's an extra eight points that Newcastle should have. And I think that that's why I was so pleased at full-time yesterday talking about closing out the game because everyone knows, everyone listening to this knows about losing the points from winning positions. Newcastle were the better team in that second half yesterday and that, and that's, I take a lot from that, Norman. I take a huge amount from it because, as Hill said, it's a psychological hurdle overcome and for me that that after we scored yesterday I would say for the first time this season I mean we've only won one other game but even the Burnley game which I think we were the better side by by some distance ultimately the last 10 minutes they did start applying pressure and there was a bit of concern they maybe could have scored um, I think Rodriguez even had a goal to sell possibly for being offside um, yeah, he did. whereas yesterday that was the first time this season that We've taken the lead and we've seen it out like so comfortably. Leads, I don't recall them creating any clear-cut chance after we scored. And ultimately, what we did was is not only did we defend well against, you know, they, I would say their waves of attacks. that They had a lot of the ball and they were pushing, but as I say, they didn't create anything clear-cut. What we did was we exploited them on the break. That was the first time I've seen us this season really exploit space that was left because the other team was attacking and trying to score. And we could have, by the end of that game, after that first goal goes in, we could have had another two. We could have won that game 3-0. Um, and, and that's really encouraging to see because what it does is, again, against Everton, it, it offers me that hope that we're, we're kind of learning. Like, how's obviously seen the problem with throwing away nine leads this season prior to this. Yesterday, we look like a team that knows how to con- how, how to control a game after taking the lead. So, as I say, psychologically, taking that in the Everton match, is it's it's everything. It's it's it's, it's a barrier overcoming. Um, I'm, look, after the Burnley game, I was incredibly confident and incredibly elated and things kind of went wrong. But what I saw yesterday was well, just those little signs of a of a togetherness and an organisation and a belief. And you saw in the celebrations at the end of the game, these are players who I, I genuinely feel believe that they can get themselves out of this. So um, I, they're hu- hugely important on, on many, many levels. Yeah, you can't underestimate that psychological impact, can you? On, um, you know, just just get getting to that point like believing even if it's almost that it's not but it's almost that fake it till you make it type of thing you know what I mean like just like just pretend you believe in yourself and then eventually it will come like after last week and we just didn't believe in ourselves to to hold on to that to that uh, lead it did we lost it and then that like I don't know if it was the collection of players on the pitch we'd we'd obviously had some people go off and and the team the dynamic had changed but really for the better almost um and and this sort of this sort of like positive feeling on the pitch just I don't know I just I just think it's I just think it's massive and I think going into the next couple of games we've got this two-week break they're off they're off on holidays for a bit of training (laughs) and then um 
and then we've got we've got another big game and I just think this group of players after after a sort of team bonding week away or whatever I'm just really excited to see what um kind of additional unity we they display on the pitch against Everton I'm just I'm just excited I'm excited too we've got a friendly I believe to play as well yes, so we will be true. playing um don't know how many loyalty points yeah for that one I don't will know. say that we're probably not going to be at that one am I right no match day for that one yeah. no match day podcast <laughs> and Peter and Father. I'm, I'm happy to be sent there obviously um if, if need be we'll look into it <laughs> we'll, we'll see what we'll see what we've got in the bank mate um yeah I want to ask you Charlotte um about us as fans I'll, I'll reference us in this podcast we'll sit here we'll do this thing we'll talk to people about Newcastle United and last week we're sat here doing this thing mm. and we're talking about being relegated already in in it you know is this just the football fans in us and the wider support will draw against Watford and it's like that's it it's done we're just not good enough none of the players are good enough we'll go and beat Leeds and every single person I spoke to walking out the ground yesterday was just like we're staying up I've got no doubt about it it's a good job the players and the manager aren't like this like (laughs) where are you with it all Charlotte in terms of like we're talking lots of positives here we'll lose we'll lose next time whatever and we're sat in the same office thinking well that's it we're fucked like what what is the truth um, the truth is constantly shifting because it, like Norman said right at the top of the podcast, other results matter. Um, the weekends, the other games matter. Um, our performances matter. After Watford, if we'd if we'd gone to Ellen Road yesterday and played the way that we played against Watford, yeah, we wouldn't have won the game. Like if we continued, and we can only analyze what we've seen. So we sit here, we sat here last weekend really despondent thinking we're probably going to go down if we continue to play like that. That's a fair assessment, but we didn't continue to play like that. So we, you know, we, we, we turned up at Ellen Road, we gave Leeds a really good game. It was very lively. We were really fairly evenly matched, I think. And then we got, I, I think we we deserved the win. Um, And so that is that is i think it's just being a football fan i think it's just you know it's the the dizzying highs of of 18th and the the worrying <laughs> lows of 20th I, I you know i i just come back to we can only we can only look at what we have seen we can't and apply that to the future so now yeah i think we're back in we're back in this scrap and and there's everything to play for if we if we if it had gone the same way as Watford, I definitely would have been more depressed and tell tell you that we're probably going to go down. Now I'm not so sure. I like that. That's why I support <laughs> this mad team, and that's why I like football. So, um, yeah, I, I, this this is just it. And 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 you can ridicule, you know, the media and and not Newcastle fans can ridicule us for sort of being so dramatic. But that is it's part of being a fan, isn't it? It's part of part of supporting a club. But like ours, okay. not like not like a Liverpool. <laughs> That, that, that's key. It is part of being a fan. With it. When you support a club that doesn't, you know, challenge for trophies, hasn't done for a long time, I would say that probably applies to football fans of almost every club other than the ones that are, you know, regulars in the in the Champions League. Um, it's 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 reflective of the, the hope that you feel. I mean, I would say that how we reacted to winning at Leeds yesterday, This we're not getting relegated, we're staying up, everything's going to be fine. Like, if, if you actually take a football match on its own throughout the 90 minutes, regardless of the opponent, you have that kind of up and down, right? You, you know, oh, first 10 minutes, am I playing well? Yeah, we're going to get something. They, and then they start attacking. They have two or three mm-hmm. minutes of pressure. Oh, we're kind of getting up on half. We're going to lose this. You know, it, it's just it's just what being a football fan is. And I don't think um, I, I don't think we're being like 
I don't think we're being melodramatic. I mean, we, yeah, we're being melodramatic in the sense of our football fans, and it comes it comes with territory, right? But it it's just what football fans do, and I think if we were all objective about our own football clubs, it would be a fairly boring sport to follow, wouldn't it? I mean, it, it, it's it's the fact that we do have this roller coaster of emotions that that makes it worthwhile. Like I'm, I'm buzzing, I'm buzzing today, and and this the kind of endorphin release that I got when we won yesterday is is why I keep going back to football matches. And, and next week, you know, sorry, two weeks down the line, if we lose to Everton, I'll be doing in the dumps again. But ultimately, we then go and beat Villa. It'll be, it'll be high again. That That is, that yeah. is obviously when, you know, when when um, we stay up this season and next season we're challenging for the Champions League and basically winning every game, you know, like, then the, <laughs> the roller coaster won't be quite as up and doing. But ultimately, Newcastle United for years and throughout my whole time supporting them, this has just been what it's like, you know. It's either everything's perfect or everything is an absolute hellscape and right now everything's perfect so let's embrace it let's embrace it indeed i want to touch a little bit on the experience in the away end me and si uh, recorded a full podcast on this last night um called the away end which we do after every away game on our drive back uh, to newcastle um i went leeds in 2016 and it was a disgrace the access the kind of crush that you don't really feel anymore at, at any football um it Literally nothing had improved. There was a big thing made about it at the time. It can't just be Newcastle United fans that have this experience. So I'm at a loss to to understand how Leeds think this is an acceptable way to treat people and keep them safe. Um, essentially, there was only two entrances and five turnstiles for nearly 3,000 people. We got there. Normally, we'd get to a ground 10 minutes before kickoff and get in. Maybe some away games where, you, where we've been before, you'd, you'd go a little bit early if, if they're doing kind of two sets of checks. Yesterday, we aimed to be there half an hour before kickoff um, because we knew it was difficult getting in. I still missed kickoff. Sai still missed kickoff. Just tells you how hard it was to get in. Um, in the end, they just they just opened the wider access. As you know, football grounds, you're going through turnstiles next to every turnstile is a gate or an access for when you come out the ground, you don't go back through the turnstiles. They ended up just opening them and letting people in. It was so bad. There were some fans missed the first 15 minutes of the game through no fault of their own. It was just generally an unsafe situation. When I went in the turnstile, they weren't going to let me in the game, by the way. Um, I was very close to not getting into this this game at all because it's electronic turnstiles, but they still got the electronic barcodes on like a stub at the end of the ticket, which makes zero sense to me. Why do you need it to be on a stub? It'd come off and they were just saying, you know, you can't come in. So that was a bit of a blow. Very fortunately, a steward let me in. And when I went in, I got funneled up the stairs, even though my ticket was downstairs. And there was hundreds of us funneled upstairs who, who were just told to go upstairs with no seat to go into. Um, and it pretty quickly became a situation where there was the, bot- the bottom of the stairs in the upper tier. They're not tiers, but the, the upper and lower accesses. Um, there was just a bar at the front and people were getting pressed against it. And I was like, fucking hell, I'm getting out of here. Um, really, really poor really really bad from Leeds you know um, the supporters trust has put a, a tweet out asking for anyone who experienced stuff like that to drop an email so they can take it up with the club who can take it up with Leeds of the Premier League I hope but that was a really really unsafe situation having said that Charlotte you're going to say something yeah I was just going to say for um, disabled and differently abled fans as well they ended up getting crowded I saw a couple of people tweeting apparently the people around them were, were really sound so it was kind of okay but they were really crowded and really uncomfortable and it's just not acceptable Unacceptable at all. Very disappointing. Like I said, it was it was the, the exact same when we were there in what November, October sixteen. Just just identical. Really poor. That it, that it, nothing's been done at all. Um, having said that, uh, it was some away end, wasn't it, Norman? It was uh, 
it was just unbelievable. I mean, the, the scenes for the goal, I said this in the podcast last night, but I'll say it again. Um, if you were to try and tell someone or show someone a photograph just after Newcastle have scored of why there are loads of people lying in between their seat and the seat in front on the floor and, and like how they've managed to get there, I don't know how you'd explain that, but the scenes for that goal, I'm, you know, there's been some big wins particularly in the last few years for Newcastle United in games we simply had to win. I think of Huddersfield away late 2018, had to win that game, and we did, we won 1-0. It was similar kind of scenes, Norman. Can you can you contextualise it in terms of where you would place like the celebrations of the, of the goal and at full time in, in, in your time supporting Newcastle United? We won, I think, that, in, in the rogue end. Like, that, that, that was off, like, off the charts in terms of the absolute madness. I'm... I'm almost sure that I saw like people flying across other people. It was uh, it was spectacular. Huddersfield away, that's a great, a great um shout as well. But this yesterday, like, yeah, I I saw like, you know, grown adults like like being pushed with such ferocity that the, the kind of almost flew over two to three rows of seats. Um and to the point where you're thinking someone's gonna like someone's gonna die here. But I mean they'll die happy, obviously. It was a it was, it was, it was a madness. Um if I could if I could draw a picture of it, you know, um, do, do, do any, does anyone follow Cold War Steve on Twitter? Yeah. You know, those, those mad pictures which just like sort of cut out body all over the place. Yeah. It, it, was, it, was, it was like that. It was um, uh, it was absolutely spectacular. And what I will say about Leeds, mate, you're talking about the fact that when you got two gates, however, they do have a carpeted concourse, which is new new to me. I've never, <laughs> never uh, seen a carpeted concourse before. And I can't quite understand the point of it. But um, the... the <laughs> The, the emotion of it, like that, that it was definitely one of those cases where com- people that you've never met before who don't know you are like are, are hugging you. It was, it, yeah, it was, it was a strange as hugging celebration, and it was, um, it was beautiful, man. It was absolutely beautiful. Though, take me back to it. Take me back to like the, I would say, the because the goal guns in, right? What happens is the goal guns in, and there's like a, th- there's a reaction, but it, it's almost that shock reaction, like like you like you had, as I say. But then after like sort of two or three seconds is like just this it just drops and it goes absolutely mad and it and, the, and I think what contributed to it well was the players celebrations were fucking brilliant that absolute pylon and because at Ellen Road you're right on the pitch as well the away fans can be right on the pitch the, just it, it was it, it was a wonderful wonderful scene I'd love to see some photos of it so if anyone's got them and they're listening to this please stick them on Twitter well said and yeah scenes are full-time Brilliant, very, very, you know, you feel very connected to the players when, when you're so close to them like that. Eddie Howe was giving it some big, big punches in the air, and it, it was a big game for Eddie Howe. We might talk about that a little bit, but really, really good day. I think we'll get more into what happened in the actual game now in part two of the show. Going to leave you with some adverts. Um, we'll be back after them. You can join us on Patreon, £6.60 per month. Uh, you can also pay in advance. If you pay for the full year, you get two months free. Uh, loads more coming up. Newcastle don't have a game for two weeks. What better way to keep the buzz going than I by listening to Charlotte, Norman and I, plus our colleagues talking about this football club of ours for £6.60 a month. We'll be back after these. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, 
So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Part two of the True Faith podcast. I want to start off this uh, this part of the show by talking about Eddie Howe. This is a massive game for Eddie Howe yesterday. The performances, as much as the the results against Cambridge and Watford, weren't good enough, and that was the concern. I think what you saw yesterday was a team that knew what wanted to do. We we knew how Leeds wanted to play and was set up accordingly, and would we, we slowed the game down at every opportunity. Um, that really wound up Leeds as players. It wound up Marcelo Bielsa. It was it was the perfect thing to do, um, and and also for how yesterday, he's he's had to make three enforced changes in that game. He hasn't made any substitutions that he might have made normally, and every single substitution was perfect. Okay. So bringing on long staff for Joe Linton, Joe Linton went off. I think that improved the team. Maybe that's a conversation for some of our patron stuff about Joe Linton because I've questioned his role in midfield for a long time now. And I, and, uh, I think that playing three central midfielders in central field yesterday uh, worked for the team and will look way more balanced. So he's brought on long staff there. Great call. He could, he could have changed the shape. Uh, he could have moved a player. For, he could have gone four two three one. He could have done lots of things. He brought on long staff spot on. He brings on Kieran Clark. It's kind of the only player he has to. But Kieran Clark was good when he came on yesterday. Slotted in really well. Um, and then he brings on, probably most impressed by, he's got Jamal Lewis on the bench, uh, and he brings on Javier Manquillo to play wrong side. Javier Manquillo continued where he left off against Manchester United before he suspended for Watford. Didn't get picked, I think, for Cambridge, which is weird. Yeah. But um, but really, 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 really good substitution that. And, and, and Norman, I'm keen on your thoughts on Manquillo. But this lad quite literally changed the game. Our left back, Changed the game. First of all, Rafinha, who'd been dominating Paul Dummett. It's not Dummett's fault. Rafinha's a, a class act. Uh, is is completely shut down by Manku on several attacks. And Leeds kind of have to start going through the middle more, which we cope with much more easily. And then also just his, his run for the, the free kick. And, you know, brilliant run. Wrong foot. Uh, really unlucky to be brought down because he's he sent the lad the wrong way. It works out for us in the end. But um, no one told me about Javier Manku. You, you were really impressed, mate. Spot on. Our, our left back, who was actually right back, he was he was phenomenal. And I think <laughs> during the game, I think I said to you, possibly at half time, that Dummett was being rinsed by Rafinha so often that he wasn't actually offering anything defensively. It was like we've just got to forget about defending on that side of the pitch. And what we could do, what I was thinking, what we could do is we could actually do with a threat going forward. So bring on Jamal Lewis. I was thinking, bring on Jamal Lewis. And then when Dummett was going off, I was thinking, nice one to bring on Lewis. Now it might give us something. And he brought on Manquillo. And that, don't get me wrong, I wasn't disappointed because I, I've always liked Manquillo, but. I'd completely forgotten he was there, and he and how, but how also took the chance of bringing on a right back, a left back, because he knew that he was going to get more out of 
out of Mankiw than he would out of Lewis. And and it was it was a just a, it was a brilliant call. And the kid, we've said this before. I think even under Rafa, he did get a bit of stick initially. And I think you know quite a, a few people defended him. And he's just grown as a player. He's, he has he he is one of the players in that squad who's been there since we come back in the Premier League. Who has improved year on year. I think. And yesterday. The moment he came on the pitch, as you say, the dynamic of the game completely changed. He's he's quick. He's quicker than I thought he was. You know, because we, we where we were in the stadium, like right on the touchline, you, you could see him. He just murdered down that that uh, left hand side for the the uh, run that got him the free kick that obviously Shelby scored from. And also, what he is, is he's fucking hard. He's hard, man. He does. He gets stuck in. He puts his body in. There was a couple of times where. He went in for the first challenge. He didn't get the kind of the bounce of the ball, but then he just threw himself straight into in the next challenge and he completely unsettled Rafinha. And there was, it was Rafinha. He had a bit of a ding-dong, Rafinha, didn't he? And he stood up, he stood up to him. We got the free kick. Fabian Shea did his usual beautiful thing of just completely going around shithousing Rafinha straight away in his year. Um, I mean, I, I, for four and a half million, Mankey has been, in my opinion, out of the home like Ashley era for four and a half million, he's been one of the best signings that the club made. I think picking Mankey over... Um... Over, uh, oh God, Lewis. Murphy, Lewis. Oh my God, my brain doesn't work today. I've only had one coffee. Um, is a really good choice against a player like Rafinha because, to Norman's point, he is just gonna, he's just gonna really defend. He's gonna really get stuck in, and he did. He like, he's, he's a very physical defender. So, um, Lewis can can sort of carry the ball a bit more up the pitch or like send send it up, but but isn't gonna physically block in the same way that Mankio does. So it's just re- really good to watch. Everybody's full of praise. Totally agree. Another player who who deserves a lot of praise is, is Fabian Shaw. I thought he I thought that was his best game for Newcastle United yesterday. He was a leader. He was talking to his teammates. He had to move sides when the cells went off. Again, I thought we got a little bit better when the cells went off. Uh, not that the cells was terrible, but but I just you know I like Fabian Shaw because he, he brought the ball out well. He's comfortable. He's he's got a lot of confidence. He exudes confidence as a player and as a man. Um, and I just you know. His block when Lascelles got injured with his ankle um, was crucial. I think that was going in. And, you know, if, if, I, if I talk about that, the spine of the team quickly, um, Dart and Dubravka makes a massive save at 0-0. I mean, if that, go, if that goes yeah. in in Newcastle or 1-0 down after 11 minutes and leads, who, who knows what's happening? I've been pretty vocal. I do not buy into the Martin Dubravka's finished. He's not the keeper he was. He hasn't been throwing them in. He's been playing in front of the worst defence maybe we've ever seen at times. You know, it, I think Dubravka has been fine for us. Has he been man of the match every game or has he been amazing? No. But that's a big save yesterday and that, that's why I love Martin Dubravka. He didn't have loads to do after that, but what he did do was very, very good. He dominated airily. He came and collected balls. Once Leeds start swinging in the balls from deep, you kind of know they've run out of ideas and they got nothing from that tactic because Dubravka was off his line. Really impressed with him. You've got Fabian Shaw putting in the performance of a lifetime Winning every header, reading the game. This the difference between Shaw and Lascelles. Lascelles is better in the air and better physically. Shaw reads the game. He knows what Leeds are trying to do before they do it, and therefore he's in the, able to intercept a lot. And, and every time, like you mentioned earlier, Shaw, every time something didn't work to Leeds because they're low on confidence, because they didn't have a centre forward playing, they're a bit like, oh, well that didn't work. I'll try something else, and they run out of options pretty quickly. And then in front of him, John Joe. Not it's not just the goal, and it's easy to talk about him because of the goal. Um, but he was he was really physical, and and how talked about it in the second half. Norman, you talked about it too. We had we had to match Leeds uh, Leeds's physical 
prowess yesterday because they're a big team. They were bigger than us. Big lads playing just like we didn't watch Watford. Didn't match Watford's physicality as far as I'm concerned. Shelby was putting his foot and putting his head in, winning 50-50s, winning the ball, taking the ball, and he capped that off uh, a, a good display with um, with that goal. And although the keeper is shocking for it and was, he's gifted us three points, um, it's a really, really good shot because he makes sure it bounces in the six-yard box so it's much harder to deal with. The reason the keeper probably does what he does is Leeds are asleep. Kieran Clark uh, looks like he's going to get a foot on it, but dummies it. Very smart by Clark. Really good contribution. And the keeper, by the time he tries to react and it skips off the surface, it's too late. So really, really pleased with that spine of the team yesterday. It worked really well. But Chris Wood didn't really do anything in front of goal again, but in the second half held the ball up much, much better than he did against Watford and, and, and contributed. Um, Norman, you want to talk about physicality quickly? Very quickly, the difference yesterday between you know the side and what it would have been on a Bruce, there's no way our fitness levels would have been able to do that yesterday. Like the players were blown at the end rate, but in the best possible way because they ran with full intensity for the entirety of the game. Under Steve Bruce, one of the big issues, and obviously, you know, players have come out subsequently and, and said this was an issue that they weren't fit enough. There is absolutely no way we could have coped with United um on under Steve Bruce. And you look at you look back at last season when the people five two we absolutely collapsed against them through through the fact that the, the players just weren't fit enough. So this is something that Howe has managed to transform in a very short space of time. He's got those players back at that kind of optimum um, athleticism, and it's fantastic to see. Totally agree, Norman. You want to talk a lot about Joe Willock? Oh, he was he was absolutely wonderful. Howe's call I, before the match. You know, speaking to. Um, to him, a Leeds fan, obviously on the opposition view, the fact that he's a mate, so we talk about football quite regularly. He said that, you know, what happens with us is is the midfield's quite cumbersome, and when we attack, there's there's space, there's a, there's a lot of space left in behind, and you need somebody who can who can exploit that space, just filling, just fill, basically filling in the gaps, running running the space, causing a bit of chaos. And I, I genuinely think that Joe Willock did that yesterday. He's he's athleticism, he's pace. Look, the kids were on confidence, right? You think of last season. His confidence is almost like the the complete polar opposite. He was just, everything he touched went in the back of the net. This season, his touch has been off. His passing's been off. He hasn't, you know, been scoring goals. And and you saw a little bit of that yesterday. You know, the, the first sort of half an hour, he he, he was a, a little bit. Yeah, he was he was a little bit sort of shoddy with his passing. Um, but ultimately, what he did was he never he never stopped running. He never stopped getting in the way, putting blocks in closing down space and just generally causing confusion, but also making himself available. You think the amount of times that we attacked and Maxi had the ball, Willock was there, Willock was an outlet for him. When Fraser had the ball, Willock was an outlet and he was working left to right, left to right. And that to me was an the absolute spot on call by how I, I thought before the game, bring in Willock or how um bring in Willock Almiron because we need that we need that pace, that that movement. And, and he brought in Willock and it it paid off. It paid off perfectly, so really glad to see it. And I hope he takes a load of confidence from that, and I really hope the same start against Everton. It's so interesting to me because you know you say it on the Match Day podcast as well that for patrons that um, you were enjoying him, thinking he was at halftime, sort of having a great game, all of that stuff. I was not at Ellen Road yesterday, but listening and watching bits and uh, looking at Twitter and seeing what people were talking about, and uh, there was a lot of criticism coming Willock's way um, at halftime. A lot of sort of um, like this is not the player we had last season like true but also like why is he on the pitch that kind of that kind of comment shouldn't be on uh not adding anything and then by full time obviously he had that brilliant chance in the in the injury time um that was a sort of flash of last season's Willock um 
by full time, you know, people were saying like fair play to him. He really grew into that game. He really grew into that game. He was, he was, you know, brilliant by the end. That obviously wasn't your perception, Norman. And I'm just kind of interested in sort of your take on that, Alex or Norman. Well, I think that me and Norman thought he was having a good game in the first half because Le- Leeds Leeds have the be- Leeds have the better of the first half. Probably it's just just it's not a it's not a, a domination or anything like that from them. But I'm just impressed by by how much Willock can get around the pitch. Right, so Shelby's a mobile. Joe Linton um, is also good at getting around the pitch a lot. But it's it's like it's about execution, and sometimes you have to look a little bit beyond execution. So, as Norman says, his passing was a little bit off. He had the ball in a couple of good positions around the eighteen-yard box, and didn't you know didn't get a shot off when he should have or passed when he should have shot. But we're still able to, able to appreciate that he brought something different to the team. I think Willock should have started against Cambridge, and Newcastle are going to play four-three-three. Okay, under Eddie Howe, that's how he wants to play. He started with a, fa- a back five against Brentford. He moved to a four-two-three-one. We'll play a four-three-three now. Willock from Newcastle did all his good work in a 5-3-2 last season with two other central midfielders alongside him. So I find it very strange that he wasn't brought in against Cambridge and he wasn't brought in against Watford. And in those games, midfield was the big problem for us, the massive problem for us. Um, so so you have to bring someone who's more creative. And what Willock brings is he's able to carry the ball 30 yards with two players in his back. At the end of it, in the first half when he tried to do it, the end result might not be what we want, but we've got the ball 30 yards up the pitch. Yeah. And like you say, Charlotte, second half, those kind of things did start to come off. He should score. That's probably my biggest criticism is he should score that chance. It was it was it was a good save by the keeper, but he should score. I just think that I want to see him getting better. And and one of the good things about this game, and for Eddie Howe in particular, big performances yesterday from Martin Dubravka, Shaw, Stephen Clark when he came on, Mankio when he came on, um, John Joe Shelby, Joe Willock, Sean Longstaff even ASM, which we're going to talk about in a second. If you had to pick a list of players who've got a lot of stick, particularly from crowds in the grounds this season, there's your list of players. And particularly after Watford, you know, look at, I mean, Sean Longstaff comes on yesterday, but he was terrible against Watford. I'm really enthused by the fact that these players have got better with a week of training under Eddie Howe and were able to execute Howe's game plan yesterday. That's incredibly promising to me. Norman, I don't know if you think I've missed anything in answer to Charlotte's question there. No, totally, uh, totally echo everything you've said there. What I'll also say about about Willock is he was the perfect example of the the difference you, and how you perceive a player's performance being in the stadium or watching on TV, right? Because well, obviously you're only going to see Willock on on TV or whatever dodgy stream you're watching it on um, when the ball is near him. So as we've said in the first, I would say a half hour of the game, and we mentioned this, I think possibly on the Match Day podcast, definitely in conversation um, that he's you know his control was was a little bit off, his passing was a little bit off. But that did improve throughout the game. But but what he never stopped from the first minute doing, as I say, was was doing the the absolute graft that was necessary against one of the fittest um, side to play with a with an intensity that's not matched by many other teams. So I it's um it, it I think it's it's always I always say things about games when I watch them on TV, and then after speaking to people who've been there, you're like, all right, and fair enough, because as I say, you're only you're only following the ball on telly, so so much of it you you miss out. And and well, like yesterday, if you'd only seen him in the first half hour with the ball at his feet, you might have thought, what's he on the pitch for? But um, being in the stadium, you you kind of realise from the first minute why he was on the pitch. A player who has, uh, you know, I mean, top scorer. <laughs> uh, Alison Maximin again, really frustrating the away end at times yesterday. We've talked about a lot this week on our parenting podcast. We're talking about this show last week. I think we're just going to have to suck it up, you know. 
And I don't know what people think about that, but I think we're just going to have to accept that he isn't going to be great at winning the ball back. He isn't going to be the great at getting up off the ground uh, after an attack's gone wrong. I mean, after that penalty yesterday, which wasn't a penalty, which should have been a penalty, it took about half an hour to get back you know, into our own half, never mind into position to help the team out, and that frustrates people a lot. Ultimately, this is the ASM yesterday should have had three assists. He should have had a pen. He plays in Ryan Fraser, who should score, in my opinion, and he plays in Joe Willock, who should score, in my opinion. That's like three integral moments amongst all the frustration of his lack of product and, and it looks like a lack of effort at times. I just feel he's so important to this side. He if he if he was injured yesterday, Ryan Fra- people are talk people are bigging up Ryan Fraser. It's an interesting comparison to me. There's Ryan Fraser playing through the pain barrier, running hard, getting back into shape, you know, really working for the team and it's appreciated. But there's fuck all end product there. Yeah. But there's there's nothing there. I'm not saying Fraser played badly but I've yet to see him play well for Newcastle. And he gets way less stick than ASM, top scorer. Really interesting, Norman, you want to come in? I uh, Look, we've had this debate, you know, it's been an ongoing debate for a few weeks about the, the system that Howe's trying to play and whether or not ASM fits into it. But ultimately, he's only got the squad of players that he's got to work with. And ASM, you know, he has weaknesses. Um, not tracking back is, is the clear, the obvious one, you know, not pressing. Um I think he stays down too long when he's been tackled or doesn't get awarded a free kick. I think he kind of dwells on it too long, whereas he should just be back on his feet and back into the game. But ultimately, throughout his time at Newcastle, more or less, over-dangerous attacking play comes through him. And yesterday, pretty much over-dangerous attacking play came through him. The Willock chance, the Fraser chance. He was beating Leeds players with, with ease and just putting them on the back foot con- constantly throughout the game. And as you see, he should have had a penalty. Um, the reality is, no matter what he doesn't give away in terms of the defensive aspects of the game, the, the fact that we can't get frustrated with him, what, what appears to be a lack of effort on at times, his attacking threats just, it's, it's too important. Like, we are a weaker side without Alan Samaxman. And that, that's, that's, that's the only way to look at it now is, all right, despite the system that we're trying to play, despite the faults that ASM's got, take him out the side and put someone else in. Does that improve us as a team, given the players that we have in the squad at the moment? I don't think it does. And I think in a relegation battle, the, the magic that he can produce, it, it's vital. It's vital. The, for me, the argument's over. He has to stay in the team. I think for ASM, the criticism that he gets, ASM has much more potential than Orion Fraser. ASM's a much more exciting player than Orion Fraser. ASM can change a game um, and he's a fun player to watch. And so he's held to a higher standard. So when he doesn't, you know, work very defensively or when he doesn't move the ball, it people get more and more frustrated with him because they perceive that he can in a much more effective way than the other players. So it's not that we're holding everybody to the same standard here. It's just that it's we want more from him because we believe he can do more, I think. I agree. I agree completely. This just about does us. Well, it, it actually, we are finished. I will say that you're <laughs> every week we're just about done. No, we are done on the True Faith podcast. Thank you so much for listening. Fantastic weekend for Newcastle United. I'm still absolutely buzzing. Thank you, Charlotte and Norman for your company and contributions. We'll be back uh, later this week with a, a new signing at True Faith. Journalist Craig Hope from the Daily Mail um, is going to speak to True Faith every couple of weeks on Patreon um, about what's going on at Newcastle United, how he perceives it. We've got a great relationship with Craig, as we do, uh, very fortunately, the a lot of the Northeast press pack. And join us on Patreon for Craig uh, and his view on the Leeds win and much else about Eddie Howe on Patreon, £6.60 a month. We'll be back with a few more free podcasts because we do two a week now before... The Everton game, which seems like a lifetime at the minute. I wish it was this Tuesday because I just want to see us play football again <laughs> and win. 
thanks very much for for listening. Back with you very soon. Bye bye. This is the story of the one. As head of maintenance at a concert hall, he knows the show must always go on. That's why he works behind the scenes, ensuring every light is working, the HVAC is humming, and his facility shines. With Granger's supplies and solutions for every challenge he faces, plus 24-7 customer support, his venue never misses a beat. Call quickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done.